0: Happy Thursday, everybody. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Austin Lane preparing for a fight in the cage. He's out, as you may know. We won't have Austin until Tuesday when he comes home with a belt, with another win in the MMA. Brent Martineau will be with us here in a second. He'll be live at String Sports Brewery. And I'm Casey Kurtz. I'll be with you from 3 to 6. I'll also be with you, Action Sports Jacks Overtime, 6 to 6:30 right here on ESPN 690 and going to go 6:30 to 7 stream only. So if you're listening on the radio right now and you're thinking I really want to hear that extra 30 minutes, you got to jump on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook as well. Just search ESPN 690, you will find it. We'll be stream only from 6:30 to 7. We got a lot going on on a Thursday because at 7 you can flip your TV to Fox 30 and you can see Jaguars all access. That'll be with Brent Martineau, as I mentioned, at String Sports Brewery. So go join Brent. Watch the show live. You can watch this show live here in a couple of seconds when Brent is with us. And then on Fox 30 and right here on ESPN 690 as well, you can hear or watch Thursday Night Football. And what a matchup we have. On paper, is it great? No. Because I think most of us know or assume we know what's going to happen in this one, and that's going to be Mac Jones and the Patriots are going to beat the Atlanta Falcons and Matt Ryan. But, man, Mac Jones is something else, huh? We obviously have Trevor Lawrence here, and we are happy about that. But Mac Jones is something special, and we're going to get to see that on the national stage. Like I said, you can watch it on Fox 30 right after Jaguars All-Access. Or you can hear it right here on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau, are you at String Sports Brewery, and are you ready to talk some sports?
1: Yeah, baby, I'm here, uh, ready to roll. Even talked to my mom on the way over. We got a little traffic. had had a little issue with the traffic today, but not bad as I thought. I thought you'd be kind of doing the first 15 minutes
0: or so. I was so, ready. So
1: uh, You were ready. Oh yeah. Ready to rock and roll. Short notice.
0: Oh yeah. I had a golf picks update. Uh, by the way, I'm winning. Humble oh. brag. I had. Scheffler winning the tournament. Uh, no, he's T9 right now. All right. And uh, Harris English, by the way, T15, so you're close behind me. Luke List, T43.
1: So. All right. Uh, that's Austin's pick of Luke List. All right, uh, go push any buttons you need to push. I'm ready to roll here from String Sports Brewery on a Thursday. We do this every Thursday. And uh, we'll have Jaguars All-Access coming up at 7 o'clock on Fox 30 as well. So had really nice turnouts here at Spring. Spring's doing fantastic. Uh, they More and more people know about it, and uh, the crowds have been really good uh, here in Springfield. So come on out if you haven't been yet. If you haven't heard about it, uh, make sure you come on out. And a little bit later on, Brent buys a beer if there's a spot on the board. Uh, that will happen uh, as well. Shaq Griffin joins us later tonight on the TV side. Uh, But we will talk plenty of Jaguars today as uh, James Robinson was back out at practice and uh, the Jaguars getting ready for the San Francisco 49ers. You know, you look at the 49ers, and this is a game, if you go way back now, that scared the heck out of me for the Jacksonville Jaguars because the defense of the Jags was playing such bad football. Well, now you fast forward, and I'm like, okay, well, maybe the defense is playing good enough football. Uh, to offset what Kyle Shanahan and the uh, San Francisco 49ers might do. I think Shanahan's very good at scheming plays. I think Shanahan owned the Jaguars' defense even in 17 on Christmas Eve, if you remember, when the Jags were good. Now, there's a couple of things about that game. One, he was very used to uh, that kind of defense that Gus Bradley, Todd Wash, everybody ran. He knew it. His Robert Sala ran it. They ran it uh, in San Francisco. They had run it in Atlanta, I believe, uh, as well when he was in Atlanta. So he had gone against that. He knew the weaknesses to that defense, and so I think that made a little bit of a difference uh, back then. And the other part of it is uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars had essentially clinched that day. Somebody lost. I don't know if it was the Titans that lost, but they had clinched AFC South. And so there's a little bit of does this game really matter? And uh, it didn't at the end of the day so I you know that's one small sample but we know Shanahan can scheme up pretty good and look just did to the Rams the other day and I think he did a masterful job I also think Shanahan and 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 Lynch have gotten way too much credit for what they've done in San Francisco Uh, their record does not speak volumes about uh, well maybe the way everybody wants to pump those two guys up and myself included we've had that conversation in the past are they really that good look at the record Uh, sooner or later injuries or no injuries you kind of are what your record says they thought Jimmy Garoppolo was gonna be the guy they paid him to be the guy and he's not the guy because they just drafted a new guy (laughs) so how much does Shanahan really know how how good he how great is he but he's still dangerous in my opinion going against the Jaguars but now there's this renewed faith in Joe Cullen in this defense what they have been able to do and I kinda love the chess match of this football game coming up on Sunday and I didn't know I would uh, in the first half of the year. But now you've got Kyle Shanahan, that offense, that looked like it was cooking on Monday night. Uh, they've got everybody getting back and healthy. And they've got uh, Trent Williams playing unbelievable football at the left tackle spot. Jimmy Garoppolo is doing just enough. IU can be dangerous, even though he's really not a main threat. Debo Samuel is one of the best receivers in the game right now. Uh, if you look at the numbers, they're all adding up to say that too. And uh, then you got Kittle back. And Kittle being back really Stretches defenses out and uh, makes them think about another uh, person. And Jags over the years just haven't been good at tight ends, anyway. Uh, But now you got Joe Cullen, who we wondered if it was just a great scheme against the Buffalo Bills uh, because of his time with the uh, Ravens and what they had been able to do, and adopting that uh, you know schematic uh, game plan. Well, I think it was more than that. I mean, they got off to a bad start against a team that was totally different than the Bills in the way they approached the offense in Indianapolis, and then they really settled down, made adjustments, and played good football. So I think it's safe to say they've played good football over the last month. They've played really good football over the last two weeks especially, and you wonder now, is this something you can rely on here in Jacksonville, that the defense is going to be pretty good. I don't know if it's going to be great, but it's going to be pretty good, and that sets up this chess match I think we have uh, coming up on Sunday between Shanahan and Joe Cullen, because Austin said it over the last few days and over the last couple weeks, and I asked Urban Meyer a little bit about it too. It's like, yeah, players are playing better, but Joe's done a pretty good job of scheming things up and changing it around. And what Austin said earlier this week is, you know, they're running games and stunts and getting the best out of that interior and some of these players. That's why Taven Bryan's playing better football. So, you know, will he be able to do that again? This will be a different team than, say, Indianapolis, a different team than Buffalo. Uh, The chess match is really interesting to watch. The one thing that should scare you as a Jags fan from a defensive perspective is I think we will see way more crossing routes than we've seen in the last couple weeks, and that has been an Achilles heel, maybe even more so than, like, the tight ends. You know, in the old defense, the 4-3 defense, again, the Gus Bradley, the Todd Wash defense, the tight ends were holy cow, right? I mean, it was unbelievable. But now in this defense, this year especially, the thing that has really bothered the Jags are the crossing routes. Uh, now, maybe the crossing routes aren't as bad now because they're playing a bit more zone defense. They're trying to keep everything in front of them. The communication's better. But keep an eye on that this Sunday. I think Shanahan will try to go that route and mix up the Jags on the communication uh, and see if uh, they've learned from it, see if they can get better from it. So I love that part of this uh, game. The, uh, the offense of the 49ers coming off a really good performance. The Jags' defense coming off two really pretty good performances. And that will take place on uh, Sunday here in Jacksonville. And then the other side of the ball, Eric, advantage San Francisco. San Francisco has players on that side of the ball, led by, of course, Nick Bosa. And uh, the Jags just have given us nothing to rely on offensively right now going into this football game. And and until they show us that uh, they can catch the passes, they can get in the end zone, they can move the football, they can get third-down conversions, well, I think we're kind of stuck in wait-and-see mode. And also, we're kind of stuck in rookie blues mode with Trevor Lawrence because nothing's going right around him. He's not playing great in elevating, at least making up for all those mistakes, and uh, he's got to do a little bit of that. So uh, we'll see. I do think, and I said this yesterday on the show, I think in these last eight games, the offense of the Jags will get cooking a little bit. I think they'll start to go a little bit, and I think they're going to be way better than they've been in the last three weeks. In fact, I think they'll hit, like, a peak performance over, like, a three-week stretch at some point in these last eight games. I don't know when that is. Uh, I really don't. I don't know if that's starting with San Francisco on Sunday. Hopefully it does, but I think they'll have this stretch where they're like, wow, okay, that's what this could be. That's what this should look like. Uh, I think most teams do that during the course of the year. This is not that. We have seen dysfunctional offenses in Jacksonville. This has been a bit dysfunctional over the last three weeks. But this wasn't dysfunctional uh, necessarily in the first six games. Uh, I've seen worse around here. And I think, uh, I, think I could see that, that they might be able to get some things going, especially with the maturation uh, of the quarterback. And Bevel really and the QB have to get in the rhythm again. That's really what I say bevel has to get in a rhythm with his offense but how do you make the offense coordinator and the quarterback get in a rhythm when you can't complete or convert on third downs and pick up first downs so that's the main part uh with the jaguars offense and i guess we'll be in wait and see mode uh here on sunday against the san francisco 49ers it's an interesting matchup because i think early in the year we all circled it like okay they're not gonna beat them well two weeks ago three weeks ago you know, you beat the Buffalo Bills, you're like, wait a minute now, that's San Francisco game. They don't look like they're playing that great, and they got to come all the way across the country. Well, then a couple of days later, they beat the Rams, and <laughs> you lose to the Colts, and the offense is, is sliding. Uh, and now uh, the 49ers offense looks good, and now we're like, well, wait a minute. Now we don't, we don't know about this, what's going to happen. I think it will be a very competitive game, a very good game. I don't know if the Jags are going to win. We'll have our picks tomorrow on that and, and see where we fall. Uh, but I think it's a fascinating game. Uh, and and a chance to, again, kind of steal one on the schedule that probably few expected the Jaguars to win. That NFC West start of the year was fantastic. It hasn't really taken shape that way. If you look at it, Arizona obviously has lost Kyla Murray a little bit after the hot start. The Rams are you know, a mess right now in the last two weeks. I mean, I don't know other way to say it. They're a mess, despite all the talent and the additions. The Seattle Seahawks had to live without Russell Wilson, for like a month and when they got them back they got shut out by the green bay packers and so they don't look like they're a factor in the nfc right now especially in the west in in that divisional race and then there's san francisco who might have got so far behind that they might not be able to catch up a team like arizona but they could probably still catch up for that last spot in the wild card race so it's a massive game from a playoff and staying in it in late november standpoint for uh uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. That's how this one looks on paper. Brett Martino here, Spring Sports Brewery in Springfield, uh, here until 6 o'clock. We've got the FSU report coming up a little bit later. We're going to talk a lot more football. We have a couple of leftover topics uh, that we've talked, but well, we didn't get to yesterday and all week long, and I want to get to them. Casey Kurtz back in the Action Sports Jack Studios. If uh, you wonder where Austin is and you didn't join us yesterday, he's got a fight coming up on Sunday uh, in Houston, Texas. It's a big fight. It's a UFC fight pass, and uh, it's, a, it's a massive fight for him as he tries to climb the ladder and get to the UFC. And uh, we'll talk all about that tomorrow again. But That's why Austin's not here. He's on his way to Houston, Texas. The big news, though, Casey, did you get his pick in for Thursday Night Football? Because uh, we don't want to have to make the pick for him.
0: Oh, yeah. I got three different picks depending on where he indeed picks. So I have all of the options on the table for Austin. Uh, he thinks he's picking third. I don't know. I'll have to check that. But I do have multiple options that he gave me to pick for him.
1: Well, he must. if he's picking third, then he had a really bad week in fantasy. I think I'm picking third. I had my worst week of fantasy football. So you're picking first because you lost.
0: That's usual. Uh,
1: uh, Usually the second-place picker means they had a higher score in fantasy football. That's been me, like, every week. Uh, But I, like, really, you know, stunk it up this past week. I I, I laid eight. So... Uh, and that's okay. It's going to happen. It, it happens en r- route to a championship season. But I'll probably end up picking third uh, today uh, for the Atlanta and New England game. As you mentioned, that will be on ESPN 690. Casey and Brian Middleton will have Action Sports Jacks overtime right after this show, 6 until 6.30. So we got a full lineup ahead on all the Action Sports Jacks channels. Uh, I want to get your thoughts real quick, Casey, as you look at that. Uh, we're just talking San Francisco and this game. I mean, kind of laid out the offensive and defensive sides. Forget about special teams. That's boring. Uh, but mm-hmm. how much confidence do you have in the Jags in this game, maybe relative to the start of the year versus just a couple of weeks ago?
0: Uh, more – well, yeah, it's a tough I, – I don't know if I have more confidence. I do on the defensive side of the ball. But when it comes to San Francisco, I think they've been – it seems like San Francisco is always hurt. Like someone important for their team is always hurt. Nick Bosa, Jimmy G. It was Kittle this year. And I feel like when you look at them right now, nobody's hurt. And getting Kittle back is so different for their team. They're just way different with him, and they should be. He's a top two tight end in the league. And I think now that they have him healthy, and Joe Cullen talked about how to stop him today, and he pretty much said, yeah, it's it's going to be hard. So... Uh, I think the defense is playing better, obviously, but the confidence goes down when you have a full and healthy offense for San Francisco. And then on the offensive side of the ball, confidence less than zero. Uh, don't, don't have any confidence about them. Uh, Nick Bosa's coming in, and you, like I think you said, Trevor got hit 10 times on Sunday in Indy. Nick Bosa might hit him 10 times alone. So that's what scares me, and Daryl Bevel's got to find a way to get the ball out of Trevor's hands quickly and keep Nick Bosa away from Trevor.
1: Yeah, uh, well, yeah, obviously you got to protect them. And, and they have to design some things to help, like, Jawan Taylor out, I think. Uh, uh, Taylor has been very iffy again uh, for the Jags. It feels like that side has been more leaky than the other. Now, where does Ben Barch is doing pretty well. I think the Jags look at their offensive line, they look at the sack totals, and they're like, hey, they're doing a pretty good job. They're doing a better job than you think, than people think. I don't know if it feels that way the last couple of weeks. And you know me, I've been a big fan of their offensive line. I think way better than people think it is. Um, and and relative to the rest of the NFL, it's not as bad as people think it is. <laughs> so I, I think there's a lot to like about their offensive line that doesn't always jump out at everyone. And the first reaction for any football team that's not good is your offensive line stinks. And I don't think that's the case. Like I don't think that the Jags' offense right now stinks. The Jags' offensive line, I'm not sure if they stink. Uh, in fact, I don't think that. But Jawan Taylor has not played consistent football, and you just wonder on every play or a play that – Trevor rolls right on, or, or is he going to make his block? And I would think Bosa will try to somehow or another find himself, move around, and get matched up with Taylor and uh, a couple of times. And on those plays, you better be careful. So uh, I think, I think it will be interesting to, on the Bosa side. What I think is more fascinating is can the interior of the Jaguars' defense continue to get push and then impact Jimmy Garoppolo, who – he can be mobile, but I also think he can be flustered. And uh, they made it very simple against the Rams for Jimmy Garoppolo. Can the Jags muddy that up a little bit? They did it against Carson Wentz. They did it against Josh Allen. I mean, can they do it three weeks in a row? And, the, again, that defensive interior, whatever the games and stunts and things that they're running on, on that defensive side, it's working. It's it's led to two of the best games ever by Taven Bryant. <laughs> Malcolm Brown's playing good football right now. You're noticing him. De- Devon Hamilton with a sack last week in a big spot too so uh and then of course that allows Josh Allen and and, and uh, others to to get going now Josh Allen Trent Williams that could be a fascinating matchup because Trent Williams by all accounts is playing like the best left tackle in the league this year uh and the Jags you know a lot of people wanted the Jags to go after him and uh they did if but only. San Francisco did and yeah but I don't Nick like, you say if only I mean is cam Robinson playing that bad? Like, has Walker Little and Cam Robinson cost the Jags? I don't feel that way. Like, no, I, I mean, no. I'm not saying Trent Williams wouldn't be better. I'm not saying those guys are them. But I also don't sit there and look at the Jags offensive line like, man, that left tackle has been a real problem spot for the Jags this year.
0: No, I, I agree with you, but I think when you had all this cap space and you still have it and you have a guy that you're saying is playing the best left tackle in the league, it has to be an upgrade. Not, not to say Cam Robinson's playing bad, but if you've got a guy who's doing it the best in the league – I'd rather have that. Yeah, if me you had too. the money to get them. Yeah, well, did. they had
1: the money to get them, and they ended up spending the the money on Cam in terms of the the franchise tag. So they're spending a lot of money this year. What they did not do is commit themselves like you would have had to do to Trent Williams as a as a whatever thirty-something year old left tackle for multiple years. And so they did not commit themselves to multiple years. And and I will give the Jags this: you've got to know where you're at, right? Like in your build, if you will and they are not in a place where they're like, hey, we're a left tackle away from, boom, doing this, or we're uh, this guy on defense away from going to the Super Bowl. Sure. Uh, I think I feel like Trent Williams is that kind of guy, that San Francisco's like, hey, we got good players. Let's go get this guy. Let's sign him up. Let's let's make sure uh, he's here because he could help us put us over the top. And I just don't think the Jags were there. Now, you got to protect the rookie quarterback, but let's be honest, again, that left side has done a decent job actually i would say a better than decent job of protecting the rookie quarterback uh and i also believe the rookie quarterback has done a nice job of (laughs) helping out the offensive line uh at times but that's a heck of a matchup now trent williams and you if you talk about two guys playing at their highest level right now oh yeah i mean i'm not sure you can find a better matchup across the nfl
0: No, I mean, now granted, I'm not going to pretend to know how every offensive line is playing in the NFL, but this comes, I mean, being able to see Josh up front and what he's done the last two weeks, yeah, it it seems like an obvious matchup. And to your point about the interior pass rush, I mean, Alex Mack is their center, but I'm not going to pretend to know how their guard play is. So you're right in that aspect of you can keep getting that push on the inside. Josh Allen will be able to eat, but hopefully it's entertaining and we can see Josh Allen get past Trent Williams, and then we can see the battle all day long. I do think, to your point, it's going to be fascinating.
1: Well, here's the deal, okay? Uh, this is one of those games that took two weeks ago against the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen might have made the Pro Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. in that game. I mean, he 100%. had an interception, he had a fumble return, he had a sack. He was all over the place. Uh, he, he had quarterback hits, and, and, you know, I think last week, I think he had 10 quarterback pressures, I think it was. I think they said 10. It's a lot. I think it was 10. That sounds like a lot. I think I read that right, though. That's two hands worth. I mean, he's all over the place. I I think that's a lot for a game. And uh, if he can now go have a big day against Trent Williams, who's playing at an elite level, who's going to probably be a first-team All-Pro or or Pro Bowler. Yeah. Well, here's another chance to punch your ticket to the Pro Bowl and maybe start to get some All-Pro recognition. If you're if you're Josh Allen, now he's got to get some bigger numbers to get in that conversation. But you get my point. This is a statement kind of game, a signature kind of game. He already had it against Buffalo, but there's a chance a couple weeks later to back it up again. And Josh Allen is feeling good about himself. He's uh, walking around with a with a swagger again, and he's playing excellent football. So you can I can bet uh, you this Shanahan's got his eyes on number 41 when he watches that tape.
0: He better. So, and if he's uh, not, he's in trouble.
1: Yeah, and, and so it would be really cool to watch this, and really cool if if Josh can can get the better of Trent Williams a few times Cause it, it, and make some impact plays, because that will do another. I mean, again, you're talking about a guy's stock who can continue to go up and up, and uh, coming off a couple of weeks ago, everybody now knows who the Josh Allen of the Jaguars is. <laughs> That's
0: a good point. A uh, well, good Josh could,
1: Allen. Yeah, they could know his name again. Uh, coming up on Sunday against San Francisco. By the way, the the, the fact is, there are two good Josh Allen's.
0: Yeah, one's better b- than the other, though, you know.
1: <laughs> uh, I think they're both pretty darn good. Uh, we'll be back. Action Sports shacks on ESPN 690. Uh, Jags injury report is out. The James Robinson practice. Give you an update on that. What's the latest? Coming up from String Sports Brewery here in Springfield. Coming out here until 6 o'clock. Jaguars All Access at 7 o'clock. Live on Fox 30 and live from String Sports Brewery. the the season we were going to get better and better you know unfortunately it took a little longer than we wanted but i I just think that's that's really helping and the guys are getting a feel of one another how to rush together in terms of talking about pass rushing how to rush with with one another like you get out four great rushers and everyone's doing their own thing nothing works it takes it takes four to get to the quarterback not just one you know you can have a great rusher and they, they chip them but when all four start doing what what you know the plan wants them to do and they start doing that and the big thing again i think be being physical inside and that's really helped that is joe cullen jaguars defensive coordinator over the last couple of weeks really has been a star for this football team and uh there have been times where it didn't look good they couldn't get this comes on the heels of 12 men on the field a couple occasions had to call a timeout some of the communication looked off uh, a lot of miscommunication. We we're wondering about the development of a guy like Tyson Campbell. Uh, we, you know, wanted to see Andre Cisco. I mean, those questions go away when you play better football. I think people still want to see Andre Cisco, by the way. But uh, uh, it's really, you know, they're not going to see that right now because the defense is playing well. There's no reason to make any changes. Uh, and that's good to see. I mean, it's good. I, I think that's coaching. I think we're seeing coaching. I think overall we always want to be like, Blame the coaches. Blame the coaches. Like, everybody right now is blaming Sanjay Law because he's a terrible receivers coach. You know what? I don't think Sanjay Lal's doing a great job. I don't think how you could say he's doing a great job. But why fans and everybody always goes to the coach when these guys are getting paid pretty good money to play the game the right way, like, and make plays? Why do we always avoid the player <laughs> in these conversations? Like, is Marvin Jones not playing as well? Lavisca Chenault certainly is not playing as well. Like I have a hard time believing Sanjay Lal is telling a Lavisca Chenault to not run the correct route a couple of times against Indianapolis.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would that would seem yeah. like something that wouldn't happen.
1: Uh, we just go right after the coaches all the time, and listen, it's part of it. But it's so easy to just say it's the coaches. I mean, LaVisca Chenault has played pretty good football for this football team. He's playing awful football right now. That's on LaVisca Chenault as much as it is about the lack of development from a guy like Sanjay Law, in my opinion. So, uh, again, he's the, he's the easiest one right now because the receivers are not playing well. And, by the way, outside of Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault, like, who's Sanjay Law working with? A guy the Chargers cut, now the Jags just cut, and Tyron Johnson. Jamal Agnew was a defensive back a couple years ago. <laughs> that's true. Um, uh, who else we got? Laquan Treadwell, Treadwell. who the Vikings wanted. And, and, and by the way, Treadwell might be playing pretty good right now. You know, and, and overall, I mean, he's not playing great, but he might be playing pretty good. They cut him. Uh, who else? John Brown. Who else have the Jags had? John Brown, we haven't seen yet, so we'll see. But, I mean, he's playing. He, he's got four guys that I just mentioned that have been cut from other teams. That that's... And, and listen, now all of a sudden I've become the biggest defender of Sanjay Law, the Jags wide receivers coach. Listen, I don't I don't think you could say he's doing a good job, but the easiest thing to do is just be like, it's a coach, coach, coach. So where am I going with this? Well, I think overall, in, in the early part of the season, it was like Joe Cullen's not coaching well. Co- Joe Cullen, what's he doing? Like, he can't do this. He's a def- – why did they go first-time defensive coordinator? And, well, we also knew the Jags weren't super gifted with talent on the defensive side of the football this year. Like, we – Thought they might have got better, but they're not going to be great, even if you had Bill Belichick coaching the defense. So I think we blame Joe Cullen for some of that. Now I do think the lining up issues, the communication issues, that does stem from coaching a bit, from on the defensive coordinator level and down to the positional coaches, because you just can't have that at this level. I mean, you can't have uh, 12 guys on the field. I can imagine. I can't imagine that they don't coach that up, but maybe they relay the play in the communicate uh, too late. The play in isn't isn't. Um, Uh, fast enough there are there are things that you could blame the coach for i believe in those instances so the moral of the story is if we're going to do that some of the coaches when they play well we better acknowledge the coaches and i actually think it's pretty clear as day right now that the Jags' defense is getting better compared to the first month of the season to this last month of the season now there are some walls in there the first half against uh, seattle wasn't very good but overall the last month they have really played better football And I think in the last two weeks, I've really noticed it on the coaching front, like with the game plan. They outsmarted, outcoached, outschemed the Buffalo Bill a couple weeks ago. They didn't necessarily do that Sunday. I didn't see that against the Colts, but they adjusted, and uh, they played better. And they allowed, like, eight yards rushing to the best running back in the league right now, not named Derrick Henry because he's hurt, over the last three quarters. Like, I think that has to go to some coaching. Now, I will give 90% of it to the players because that's what I do. I think it's on the players, usually. Um, but I, I do think we have to acknowledge the coaching in this instance, especially on the good side because I think Joe Cullen has adjusted. And I think Austin's talked about it. Like he is doing some different things on that front to create opportunities, and that's from a schematic standpoint. And, listen, that's what they're paid to do. I mean, they get paid good money to do that, but I think we have to acknowledge when they're doing that a little bit. And uh, I think Joe Cullen uh, certainly is, and I'm fascinated to see him go the rest of these eight games because I really thought the Jacks' defense was just going to be really not that good all year. Uh, can they be better? Yes, because they could get turnovers. Like they could, they're doing some good things but they could get more turnovers. And if they get turnovers, they have a chance to really help this football team win and help the offense get going over these final eight games. That's what I got my eye on. Uh, I will say this now. One more thing about the defense for now. And I think it was in camp that Joe Cullen said when asked, can you double your sack total from 2020? And their sack total was an abysmal 18. And he said, yeah, I think we can. Well, they're at 16. What's their record? Two and seven? 16, nine games in. Now, I don't know if Joe was factoring the 17th game or not, (laughs) but they're at 16 sacks with eight games to go. Last year, they had 18 sacks the entire season in a 16-game season. So, and, and I'll tell you this, Casey, I bet the numbers on pressures and QB hits and other things are even high, like higher than last year by a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, it, the sacks may not even be coming as much as their play has indicated. They're affecting the quarterback. If right. you know what I mean. Like, they only had one sack, I think, last week against Carson Wentz. But he was doing the Whirly Bird, throwing it left-handed a couple of times, and throwing it up for grabs a little bit. Where the Jags, you almost thought they would have a chance to pick it off. So. And those don't count as sacks, but they are impacting the quarterback, especially the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, uh, the sack count was one. The left-handed throws from Carson Wentz count was two. So <laughs> was two. if that if that tells yeah. you anything. But, yeah, uh, I think they get there, Brent. The, as well as they're playing right now, and you've got some favorable sack games coming up, I think they double it. I, I, I don't think that's what you asked me, but I'm just telling you that I think they double it, in the sa- if, especially you- if Josh Allen plays like he is right now.
1: How much do you seriously, like, you uh, you, li- you grew up in a Twitter world, and, again, on the Twitter world that we live in sometimes, and that's not the whole world, I really feel like coaches are, like, the first thing that go- like people want to fire coaches after every week. Yeah. They think coaching stinks. Uh, everything's on the coaches. Everything. It starts with the coaches. And, I mean, it's a little bit like... When your kid is failing math class, blaming the teacher for everything.
0: That is you a know? heck well, of a comparison.
1: Like, what the hell is your kid doing in class? Like, <laughs> is he doing his homework at night? Uh, probably not, but let's blame the teacher anyway.
0: I like you know? That. Yeah.
1: And so I think it's a little bit of that in our world, that way we watch sports. It's, it's always on the coach. It's always on the assistant. It's always on that. And then we get to the player, by the way. We're very critical to the player, uh, I think, on game day. But outside of game day, we're less critical on player, unless it's a big time player like a quarterback. And we're more critical of, of the coach, uh, And But where do you fall on that? Uh, do you think, like, would you take the Jags wide receiver group and say, hey, it's just a bad group? Sanjay Law's not a good coach. Uh, and by the way, there is some evidence to, like, why did Urban Meyer bring in Sanjay Law? If you look at his history, it's not like he's coached Pro Bowl wide receivers and got, like, unbelievable seasons out of these guys. It's a fair curiosity and, I think, a fair criticism to go back and look at the resume a little bit. Um, So, I don't absolve him from any of this, uh, but where do you fall on, say, that position group, or just in general, when you're watching sports, hey, the coach stinks?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm glad you asked me that, because I'm going to follow this up with a question that I'm going to ask you, but I'll I'll answer what you're asking me, and look, I don't I think I've said it before. I don't think these guys are very good, man. And Marvin Jones, I think, is good. LaVisca Shenault, I'm not sold on. I wasn't sold on when they drafted him. I wasn't sold on him last year. I'm just not sold, and this is certainly not helping make the sale. Jamal Agnews is surprising me, but Tavon Austin, Treadwell. I mean, maybe they're getting the best that they can out of these guys that, as you said, have been cut in other places. So I just think, in general, without DJ Chark, it's just not a great group as for the coaching part of it. I think it's fascinating that you say that because thinking about it, I have, like I've said that they should fire Dan Mullen a couple times to compare that. And I think it's easy to do that on Twitter and whatnot. And I think you assume that the coach is put into position because he has earned it or should be in this position. And that's why I think people give them more criticism versus the player not that the player hasn't earned it but the way that I think people look at it is the coach should be able to make the player better and when that's not happening I think it's just easier to fall back on the coach so I I do see it on Twitter I get what you're saying and I think it's just kind of a product of what goes on on Twitter now because everybody can have an opinion and coaches are getting fired on Twitter all the time so I mean that kind of stuff happens I just think it's fascinating that that's where our world is going and I love Twitter and I like the idea that everybody should have an opinion, but I don't know if you should tweet it. But the point of the story is Twitter has made things so much different in the landscape of sports and coaching. But on the wide Before receiver... Before you ask
1: that question, hold yep. on that question for a second because I want to follow up. So It's interesting you bring up a guy like Mullen. See, I think the head coaches can be, I, I think, a little viewed a little bit differently. Uh, it's not always their fault. But I think, like, Urban, we he, he brought criticism to himself several times, not just the off-the-field stuff, but the inability to explain why 24 hours later that James Robinson had 12 touches in the first half and six touches in the second half, didn't even know it. Right. You know, like, all right, well, come on, man. I mean, you're the head coach. Like, like you, I, I, I made the, I think I said it on Twitter that day. Like I didn't sleep well Sunday night. Oh, and James Robinson had six carries in the second half. Right. How the hell did the coach not know by Monday afternoon that he didn't have six carries and your offense is struggling. Like that's, that's, open door for criticism in my opinion it should That's be probably the most critical i've ever been on a coach around here uh for that day and a half uh, happening and and then you bring up mullen and see mullen's different too again these guys are the ceos they're in charge of everything so they get graded not just on the development of players but also the win-loss record and also in the college game recruiting And also, the feel around the program, and is this trending in the right direction type of stuff. And so I do think that's a little bit different. Listen, I'll I'll attack coaches sometimes, too. I look at a guy like Minnesota and Mike Zimmer, and right now I think he, he makes the claim that he's not a good coach, or at least not a winning coach, because they lose more games that they shouldn't lose or they have lost more games over the years, when you look at the numbers and the way their quarterback plays, what they have at the skill positions, sometimes what they can do and do-do on defense. I said do-do on defense. And uh, uh, (laughs) I just think Mike Zimmer doesn't win enough. Like, I I don't – there's no other way to say it. Like, And I'm not even on top of the Minnesota Vikings, uh, like, day-to-day beat. But I look at that from afar, and I'm like, that has to be an illustration on just the coach not being able to win. Yeah, you know, and I think that's why Anthony Lynn got fired in, in in L.A. because, listen, they had stuff that was good, they did good things, and they still would lose like two out of every three games. So I do think it comes back to coaching it sometimes, and there's reason to be critical. I just think the first point of the finger is always the coach, and meanwhile, like, hey, Lavisca, hey, Marvin, hey, what? A- How about play a little better? <laughs> no, know, yeah. Yeah. How about play a little better for that coach? Because I guess is he teaching you and coaching you probably the similar way that most people do it in the NFL. Some people are better at absolutely, uh, but I think those guys, their whole regression cannot be based on Sanjay Lal Is my point?
0: No, I I agree with you. And real quick on Minnesota, the way I look at coaching, and you're right, they don't win enough games because they're incredibly talented. But let's just look at Kirk Cousins for example. And I, I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but I'm not not that you watch every Vikings game, but do you feel like from when Kirk Cousins became a member of the Vikings, he's gotten better or is he still the same guy? No, I think he's
1: better. I think he's got a couple of the monkeys off the back. I think he's consistent as heck, man. I mean, look at the numbers he puts up Uh, and numbers aren't everything. You know, I think people say that a little bit about Carson Wentz, like look at the numbers he's got this year. They're they're good. But if you really look at the eye test, has he played as well as the numbers? That's why you got to be careful with numbers. And so, but I'm, I just don't know what else you really want Kirk Cousins to do uh, outside of win clutch games, which he's had the ball and misfired, but he's also got a little bit of that off his back recently. Uh, so I don't know how you feel about it, but I would say, yeah, I think he he's developed into a consistent enough quarterback where you know who he is, and you basically know what you're going to get every time out, which I think is, has a lot of value in sports in general when some the coach knows what they're going to get from you just about every week.
0: I, I agree with you, but the way I look at it is I think when Kirk Cousins, the day he signed that contract, he we, we knew what he was. He had good receivers, and he's going to put up good, bigger numbers. Now, granted, the numbers have inflated, but I think that might be a product of what he, he's throwing the ball to Adam Thielen. He was throwing it to Diggs, and now he's throwing it to Justin Jefferson. So yeah. I just think that Kirk Cousins, since he's been in Minnesota, has been um, no shots on Kirk Cousins. I think he's been quality. He hasn't won games, but that might be a different problem. I just think that you can't look at that and be like, they are making him so much better coaching-wise. Yeah, I don't know fair. if that would happen I- anywhere else, but I just feel like Kirk Cousins from day one has been this guy that puts up good numbers that can't win, and he's still a guy that puts up good numbers that can't win. So yeah, that, in my opinion, has to fall on coaching somewhere. Yeah,
1: probably, but Cousins might be in an enigma too in the sense that, you know what, he's pretty good. Look at the numbers are going to add up. He might be a little Stafford-esque in this regard. That yeah, you can put up the numbers, you go see, but can he win and can he rally grown men? Right? Can can he be the reason why Tom Brady has this ability that I don't think guys on that team wanna disappoint Tom Brady. I think Aaron Rodgers, there are players on both sides of the football like, I don't want to disappoint that guy. Like, I I wanna play for that guy, I want to win for that guy, I want to win with that guy. Yeah, sure, Minnesota wants to win with Kirk Cousins. They don't not like him, but I think there's a difference there, and and that's like this thing that you can't measure. Stats don't cover. QBR, uh, whatever, it doesn't do that. So uh, I think that's what really the hope around here is, Uh, and maybe you're seeing it in New England too, Mac Jones might have that, you know, where – Hey, he, he has an ability to raise the level just by his actions, body language, what he says, how he practices. Those are all things that we don't see when we're watching it on TV. I think that's a lot of what we've heard about Trevor Lawrence, quite frankly, is that guys want to play for him. Now, it would be nice if they'd make a play for him.
0: That would help.
1: Would help. <laughs> but uh, I, I, you hope that, that co- your quarterback has that. And like, I think Derek Carr has developed a little bit of that over the last year and a half. More so than he had early on in his career. And I don't know if guys often develop that trait. Uh, but I think that was a little bit of a problem. Go all the way back to, like, a Jay Cutler. Like, he just didn't have that gene, you know? Yeah. Where it was like, yeah, man, I want oh man, I want to play for Jay today. And and I think that's why it came. We've talked to so many people that play with Jay Cutler. Like, he wasn't a bad guy in the locker room. But it came across that way. Sure. And I think that was just one of the narratives because he couldn't win. And... Cousins has these narratives, too, because he doesn't win enough or win big enough. But every coach would sign up for Cousins' numbers in production from that spot. Yeah. Without question. No, I I think you're right. It's an inexplicable thing at times, you know. Um, And sometimes have, you know what they call it? Quote, the it. It, And uh, I'm not sure Cousins has the it, that kind of describes the it. Hey, don't lose your question. I know you got one on the receivers. We'll do it on the other side. String Sports Brewery uh, from Springfield. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Got a busy day ahead up until 6 o'clock here on ESPN 690. Brian Middleton and Casey will take it for Action Sports Shacks. overtime until 630. 7 o'clock, Jaguars All Access on Fox 30 from Strings. And then later tonight, we've got the Patriots and Falcons rematch of that Super Bowl. Oh, let's relive that. Uh, That's on ESPN 690 and Fox 30 as well. Good night ahead here on the Action Sports Jacks family of networks.
0: It's just continued emphasis, you know, we, we really work on it every single day and, uh, you know, it's sometimes I think you, it, it, you know, it can be almost a self-fulfilling prophecy sometimes if you harp on something too much, you know, then you draw too much attention to it. But like I say, all the time, all these guys are professional catchers, they're receivers for a reason and their job is to catch the ball. So we expect them to catch it and then we'll do everything that we can to help them, you know, all the, all the drill work, we do that every day um, and, you know, it's just, it, it's got to be something that can't get in their head either.
1: Well, that's Darrell Bevel, Jags Offensive Coordinator, is welcoming you back live from Spring Sports Brewery in Springfield on ESPN 690, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau, uh, Austin out the rest of the week as he gets ready for his big fight on Sunday in Houston. Uh, Casey Kurtz back in the Action Sports Shack studios. Stuart Weber probably dropped by in just a little bit. There's some big high school news today, and, of course, we've got the playoffs, uh, second round here in Northeast Florida coming up uh, tomorrow. Uh, the It was interesting to hear what Bevel just said there. I think it can get in your head. And like, I even said this last night on TV. I probably said it yesterday on radio. But it can be a dangerous narrative drops. You know, that was the narrative coming out of uh, Cincy Camp on Jamar Chase.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Now, he turned it into, yeah. okay, that was wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, he did. So you
1: can turn it around. But you can get in your own head on it. I mean, I think you really can. Like, a lot like it. I've seen this before. They've talked quarterbacks, don't make a mistake, don't make a mistake, don't make a mistake, don't turn the ball over, don't turn the ball over. And then what happens? Well, you throw it six yards every time because you're afraid to make a mistake and a guy's got a rifle arm, Lane Gabbard, and he never throws it down the field right? <laughs> because he's afraid to turn it over. And so I think, it's a, I think and what Bevel said right there is, is really spot on, in my opinion. How do you coach it up? You emphasize it, but you don't make it such a point that it's in your own head and you're thinking about it every time you run a route. Uh, you had a question about receivers. What do you got?
0: So it just how you were saying, like, fans and coaches and all that, they react on Twitter. Do you think part of the negativeness towards the current wide receivers coach has to do with the one that they let go this offseason?
1: Yeah, we, we were actually talking about that in the media room um, yesterday, and I think so. I think, so. I think Keenan, to, and what makes a good wide receiver coach? Does anybody know?
0: No. Like, I, I have really. no idea.
1: I have no idea. I mean, d- well, my guess would be like any coach, your room gets better. Right. Well, I think over the time they had a room that he coached up that got better, that at times played very physical because that's the way Keenan played back in the day a guy like D.J. Chark went to a Pro Bowl. But then we saw receivers last year, including D.J. Chark, have a very off year. Was that Keenan McCardell's fault? Or was that D.J.'s fault? Or was that three different quarterbacks' faults, Or was that the offensive coordinator's fault? Right. You know, I I think that's why you got to be very careful. I was surprised when Keenan didn't come back. Um, I thought that he would be back. I thought he was a guy that they should keep. Uh, and I think he is kind of a rising star. Uh, he lands in Minnesota. They've got pretty good receivers now.
0: <laughs> that they do.
1: I mean, I feel like I could coach the receiving group in Minnesota to be pretty good.
0: You probably could. That doesn't take
1: anything away from Keenan, but maybe he can coach him to be great. You know, and maybe uh, maybe
0: he has. And we just, you know, you'd have to ask, I guess, Justin Jefferson and stuff. But like when you see the guys that Keenan had, like Keelan Cole was a real option for a while. Yeah, he was. And undrafted. Yeah, that's another good
1: example. Undrafted, Cole's good right? Example. Yeah, Cole's a good example. But he was inconsistent now. And so even under Keenan, they had inconsistencies at wide receiver. Again, might have been quarterback. Might have been the receivers in general just because they weren't all that talented maybe. Uh, but I, I would say this. Do I? Would they be better off if they had kept Keenan McCardell? I would think probably, yeah. I think probably, yeah. But he couldn't have done anything about D.J. Chark's injury. Very and he true. can't do anything about picking up guys off the street that everybody left. So I don't know how much of this is to blame on Sanjay Lal. I would say how much of LaVisca's regression is on Lal? And would McCardell would have helped that? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe just keeping him in the slot will help LaVisca Chennault. They're going to try that, I think, this weekend. All right, we've got to take a break. We're live at String Sports Brewery. More football talk on the way. Plus well, some big high school news happening today. That is uh, coming up at the 4 o'clock hour on ESPN 6 night. <laughs>